Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your guest, Rimley. I'm your co-host, Austin. And I'm your other co-host, Ian. And we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Yes, uh, we got a really exciting uh, show for you guys today. I want to thank you for joining us today here at Critic Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your roles are like a fantasy world without magic. You gotta need that yeah, in those cases. I've, honestly, I've played those. Yeah, I feel like it just never is the same. Um, I'm like get... thinking, I'm like, is there a fantasy world that I can think of that doesn't have magic? And I'm really struggling here. <laughs> At least some level. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, before we get into it, I do want to take a moment and say that uh, our newest kickst- upcoming Kickstarter, Vigilantes and Villains, playtest streams are bi-weekly on Fridays. Um, this is our upcoming Kickstarter project. If this is something you're interested in, do you like superheroes, you love 5e, and you want to see a mitch, mix and match of the two, um, please uh, head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Vigilantes and Villains and sign up to get notified uh, when we go live and any additional information coming out with our Kickstarter. I'm really excited for it. Um, we've been having a blast with it, so it's been very magic. crazy, nonstop. Yeah, <laughs> you guys literally ended up uh, pretty much letting buildings blow up. So yeah, yeah, we uh, had yeah, a full warehouse, bang. but you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was great. Um, so, uh, but before we get into all the cool stuff, I want to thank uh, our special, amazing guest here, uh, Remley Farr. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, glad to be here. It's nice to be in front of this camera. Yeah, that's good. We're glad to have you. Uh, Before we get into uh, talking about magical adventures, uh, building magical adventures, um, we like to start off every episode on a high note, and we do that by giving away fat loots. Yeah, and we have a new thing here for a change. I'm kind of surprised. I'm so used to saying, hey, look at the Arcana set of Loresmith. But we have something new. Uh, But it is Kirkpa. The Squirrel Folk from Steve Fiddler and Nathaniel Rowe. I'm going to go with that. Sounds good. Uh, presented here by Steve Fiddler and Nathaniel Rowe is the Kirkpa Lineage, a race of reclusive yet merry forest dwellers. Complete with lineage and cultural features, two new subclasses for the rogue and barbarian, Ooh. and all the tools needed to fit the small Kirkpa into your game. And our winner today is 6-odd-1-7. Uh, I am amused picturing a barbarian squirrel person, just saying. Yeah, I'm very excited about that idea. It's very (laughs) cool. But don't worry if you didn't win. Uh, Have no fear. Just head over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win. It's just that easy. And it's totally free. It really is. Yeah. (laughs) Worth it. And uh, I want to give a huge shout out to all the uh, content creators, including Remley Farr and Jeff Stevens and uh, Nathaniel and all the people. I sent out a a call to action that I wanted to kind of spotlight all the content creators. And they were happy to provide complimentary copies for for our uh, winners. So thank Mm -hmm. you guys very much. And the hope is that we'll be changing it up every single week. Let's see how everything goes. Um, but now on to the meat and potatoes of the episode, our main topic, magical adventure building with our guest, Remley Farr. Now, obviously, I know who Remley Farr is, um, <laughs> and several of you have probably heard of some of his products. We've given them away, most certainly on this show. He's worked very closely with our boy, Jeff Stevens. Um, oh, which, by the way, Jeff Stevens says that Remley Farr is awesome, and I 100% concur. That's why he writes my adventures for me now. <laughs> um, I concur as well. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> um, you may have heard of uh, Happy Jack's Funhouse or the Madhouse of Tasha's Kiss, along with a bunch of other stuff. Um, now I know I've talked to you up a little bit, but uh, um, Remley, can you for everyone? Can you kind of give them a little bit of information? Tell them about yourself a little bit. Yeah. Um, basic gist of me is uh, I double majored in English and writing back in college. Right now I'm teaching GED courses. So that's kind of what I'm doing for, you know, the day job. As far as the hobby side of me, I put, started D&D with 3.5 edition, like a lot of people out there have. Um, then I kind of, when 4th edition came out, I hopped over to Pathfinder. I was part of that crew. <laughs> but then after doing Pathfinder for a while, uh, I found that it was actually easier for me to get people into Pathfinder because it wasn't called Dungeons & Dragons. Because sometimes, especially... Back then, mm-hmm. if you said Dungeons and Dragons, it was well, people kind of already had a preconceived notion. Yeah, now it's a little absolutely. more mainstream. Mm-hmm. But then, like right when Five E came out, some friends of mine introduced me to it and kind of, to a degree, poached me from my Pathfinder group to go play Five E. <laughs> so that was that's funny. That's kind of how I got into it. Ever since then, um, I tried doing a little things for Pathfinder, but I think Five E has just been what has called to me as far as where is my energy for the fantasy based sword and sorcery um rin fair style going so right I've what do you uh do in the world of dungeons and dragons and rpgs in general so right now i am dming a campaign with some friends of mine some of them are childhood friends some of them are those from other nerdy adventures that we've all been on before and <laughs> We are at, we're playing Tomb of Annihilation. We've been doing it for about a year, meaning about every Friday because, hey, it's pandemic. Um, <laughs> but for D&D in 5th edition, I do mostly adventure writing, uh, module creation, and lately mostly commission-based. I have done a lot of it on my own. And recently, I've been a bit more, not just on the writing aspect, but cartography, layout, artwork. I've tried to do a little bit of Hey, let's see what happens if I do it all on my own. Right. And mm-hmm. which it is nice to hire somebody to take care of that for me, but <laughs> I can attest some, to that. Yeah. But also <laughs> that costs money. Granted, yes, I'm now making yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm making more money though now with in my day job. It's gone up to a full part yeah, to a full time position, which is a whole lot more of a relief. So I can right. maybe now uh delegate some of those parts of adventure creating to other people the time comes all right awesome now we're really excited to get into this stuff okay and what would you say your most memorable D moment is so this is kind of my go-to when it comes to uh what happens when players just ruin the dungeon master's day uh at the old <laughs> hobby shop back in 3.5 it was just you show up on D night um they have certain, like this DM is doing level one adventures. This one's doing three, five, seven, whatever. Mm-hmm. This was back in the day of prestige classes, where <laughs> prestige classes were if you got your base class to a certain point, you could then start putting points into essentially what subclasses are now, so to right, say, right. but a little more specific. There was a class called the Eye of Grunch, which you had to be an orc and you pretty much oh, had yeah. to be a barbarian. And then you became the ultra mega murder barbarian. <laughs> and. Part of it, too, was you had to have one of your eyes popped out because that's what Eyes of Grumps looked like. So me and my buddies decided, hey, let's all just make Eyes of Grumps. Let's show up to this 
like just little one shot night with these three big dumb orc barbarian <laughs> murder monsters that like they make regular barbarians look like you know the the rogue or something so it's the three of us and then some guy we didn't know just playing like a halfling rogue so we're going through the dungeon and every single room is just kick the door down go in murder everything in there the rogue <laughs> is trying to sneak attack he's trying to be like slick but oh yeah we decided that we were all pirates so we all had newspaper hats on uh <laughs> this guy dming it was just like you know there's all these puzzle things but we just decided no let's smash the let's just have a, yeah smash like we don't have just a dedicated just tank crush DPS. everything everybody's a tank dps just <laughs> And then the little human behind us who we kept screaming at to hurry up. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, that sounds that, awesome. That is exactly what you can run into as a DM. So <laughs> people can show up doing that. That sounds awesome. Wow, they are wild. <laughs> I'm looking them yes. up right now, and I'm just looking at like, oh, <laughs> they make they, barbarians look like kittens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we we unleashed three of them on this guy and oh we're of course God. like best friends who go into high school together so we just have these like annoying in jokes and we're just like 20 20 year old pos's just running around being those guys at the shop but hey we got oh. our xp we looted our treasure i love it it's so <laughs> <laughs> the skill plays oh, not existent <laughs> yeah they are insane yeah i love it uh do you have any moment where you feel like you failed as a player or a dm uh yeah the probably one of the first times that i ran an old school D D game which is a lot more lethal but then you as the dm are supposed to telegraph things a little bit more mm-hmm. and at the same time it's not based on skill checks like it's very hard to pass certain skill checks but it's less i check for traps and more I peek under the bed or I take the spear tip and poke it around like the lock to see if like, that's what it wants people to do in the game. And I think I failed to get that point across to them and made it where they almost had to take someone who is a dedicated skill jockey who just, okay, let's roll the die, roll the die, roll the die. We can't roll it, but more every 10 minutes. And it was just this really terrible way of like, oh man, this looks like you have to have a specialist class member to just roll dice to check your traps. It was because I didn't, most of uh osr is more so based on you don't roll the die to complete the task you say what it is you're doing specifically i Mm. take this info pole and i poke all the little places in front of me to look for this and you can have people just do all of that like i check through the peephole it's less i roll investigation and more so i do this and then that requires a roll the dm tells you if that Mm -hmm. needs a roll to complete otherwise maybe they just do it don't roll investigation to find right. the gold under the table. Just look under the table. There it is. <laughs> and give it to the players. They, they look there. I love it. Hmm. Um, so now kind of on to why, why we brought you on. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Remley has been writing a, a bunch of our uh, Patreon one shots and they've been awesome. They literally have me giggling my ass off when I first pick <laughs> them up. Um, I think they are fun and you have a very interesting approach to, to, to writing when it comes to designing and building your adventures. Um, and I, I think it was awesome if you would that you are willing to share your secret with the world here. So, um, would you tell us a little bit about your um, methods that you use when mm-hmm. writing your D and D adventures? Yeah, it um kind of gets its roots uh, back when I was taking writing classes in college, and we would do writing workshops where we'd write something you know presented and people critique, so to say. 
Um, but before that aspect of it, we would do writing exercises, like where you go and draw three things from a hat and you have to write something that includes those three things. Some people mm-hmm. do this with like 48 hour film festivals. Yeah. Where, yeah. They'll go, maybe you draw your genre out of the hat, then draw a quote you have to have in your movie out of the hat and then draw a character out of another hat. You have to write the script, film it, edit it, get it ready in that time. And I've also been involved in some folks who do 24 hour play festivals where in the theater group in college, they would have 24 hours to write the play, cast it, learn it, and then put it on. Uh, that sounds so crazy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because I realized, huh, when you're, when the time is that limited, you don't have time to like go through a lot of minutia. You have to just get it, just get it going. Mm. Um, at the same, but then I decided I want to do that with writing a D and D adventure. Um, I want to put a time limit on myself and see if I can get something to market that fast. Uh, have it done on DMs Guild or Drive Through RPG. But then I wanted to then throw an extra little wrench into the plan by making it where. I couldn't pre-plan what this thing would be and then time myself. Uh, I would bust open a pack of magic cards and through a little system on there, that would determine what I was going to write about. So for one, as a professional, this also reflects how when you do commission work, you don't always decide what it is you're going to write. Someone, A lot of times people have the idea and they need you to write it. That's what happens a lot with Jeff. Jeff, sometimes he would send me, usually the cover art's the first thing he shows me. So he showed me the Tasha's Kiss cover art, which is terrifying. And then he's like, yeah, I got these ideas for this, for this, for this, for that. And I said, okay, I'll take it. I'll make it happen. Because in a lot of creative professional aspects, that is what you do. If you're a play director for a theater, you don't really, you might not get to choose the plays. The venue chooses it. You have to direct it, whether it's something you like or don't. So I said, hey. We're getting my ideas out of it, and we're shoving ideas into my hand. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, I kind of got the comparison with using Magic the Gathering cards when I realized that Tomb of Annihilation came out at about the same time that Ixalan came out for Magic the Gathering. Uh-huh. Uh, Ixalan being an islandy pirate dinosaur, older civilization ruins setting, and Tomb of Annihilation being an islandy pirate dinosaur, older <laughs> civilizations ruins setting. I'm thinking, did they just make too much concept art? And say, hey, Magic Crew, make something with these dinosaur things we've done. So I said, maybe there's like an overlap. I mean, I'm sure they use a lot of the same house artists for Magic cards that they do D&D. Right. So for my first little 48-hour challenge um, that I imposed upon myself, I just grabbed a pack of Magic cards, said these are parameters that I have, that something has to go here, here, here to represent these things. Busted the pack, shuffled them up, and I dealt them, assigned them to a certain spot. And uh, next thing I knew, I had my cast of characters and settings, and away I went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I understand that you have a pack of Magic the Gathering cards with you. Yes, I So do. Can, we, can we walk through that process? So I got me a pack of Guilds of Ravnica. All right. Uh, looks nice. So those of you that are joining us, you'll notice that there's a new image. There's an image on the right corner as he's siphoning through these. I'm going to pull up the cards so we can look at them and uh, look at them together. So that nice little So you mentioned. Sound. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do that. Let's hear it. <laughs> mm. ASMR. Welcome to Crit Academy. ASMR. Magic. Oh, I love that sound. <laughs> mm. 
good stuff. Especially when you do it 36 times because you're busting up a whole box. <laughs> <laughs> there was one guy at a, uh, when I went to a, a pre-release who just had scissors. He just like snipped the ends off and dumped them upside down. He mm. was like during the time because you have a time limit when you're doing those oh, those drafts yeah. and stuff. So he just like snip, 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 and everyone's just oh, he got so much more uh, time because of it. I never thought sense. to do it. After yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd be afraid I'd nick the card. Yeah, yeah, right. right? Apparently, he's a master. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, we got some uh, good cards here. You mentioned that there's kind of some key components that go mm-hmm. into that. Um, so before we actually open up any of these, can you talk a little bit about the, the key components that we're looking for? Yeah. So when I first did it, I kind of drew on a little placemat with labels. I needed a setting, which is just where is this happening? I needed an antagonist, which is who is causing the mayhem. And it could be, you know, you know, you can a gradient scale pretty much of how devastating this antagonist is. Right. Because um, have you seen in some of the OPAs, the antagonists have been terrible ghosts who kill people or... A possum costume person. Possum <laughs> uh, <laughs> costume. I don't know That's where that, a new where villain. Yeah. Uh, the third one would be drama. So what is happening? The fourth one would be goal. What does someone want? And the five and six are just NPCs. And be as fluid as you want with just making it work with whatever you're dealing with. You know, it'd be as, it could be just based on the art, the titles, some neat flavor text somehow find a way to make it work right. uh, the first one that i did was a theros pack i think the setting was omen of the forge which is this cool little like dwarven looking forge thing people were making antagonist was a minotaur dream safer shaman uh drama was agonizing remorse the goal was plummet brine giant npc and a nyx born marauder npc basically it boiled down to i said okay my antagonist and an npc are both minotaurs their brother and sister uh the brine giant is a storm giant that I had in the bottom of the layer. Mm-hmm. The gold plummet had a dragon getting shot down with an arrow. So I said, hey, these minotaurs killed a dragon. Took over its <laughs> lair that was at the omen of the forge. Drama was agonizing remorse. So one of the minotaurs kicked the other one out. And so the other one's trying to break back in. It's all and, pissed off about it. Yeah. And trying to get the magic thing in there. And the players come along. And who's all this? But the main thing, again, with this is it's just go, go, go. Make it happen. Don't spend time on minutia. Can you get a product out in 48 hours? So I have busted the pack, shuffled these things. What I usually do is I'll draw it and then put it into one of the six slots that might work. And okay. heck, we could even debate it as a group if we want to. Oh, we're going uh, to. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every single one of us. So uh, so what is it? Do you draw? You draw? Do you draw the cards randomly and then sit them down? Or do you just draw one at a time? Well, we could live on the edge. And draw one, assign it to one of the six, and then that six thing is used up. That way, if we're at some weird thing oh. at the very end, I mean, that is that we, is wild. I know. Let's do. That's the point. Do you want to do, do the wild? Let's do are it. You comfortable let's with that? It. I say, I mean, let's do it. Why not? We've teased it. We can't just be teases. We got to. Oh. We got to go all in. All I right. mean, there's four of us. Surely we can make it work. Yeah, right. we can make something work. And there's we chat. Got this. And Ian's got some cats back there. They'll. <laughs> yeah, they have <laughs> some ideas. All right. Well, let's do it now. Is the land still in there? Maybe. I mean, if land pops up, who knows? The NPC oh. is an island and it talks to you. <laughs> it's an island. Yeah, that's, that's, okay, okay. Say, Let's do it. Work. What do we got? Okay, first one. We have a card that is called Urban Utopia. Oh, So that's what it looks Utopia. like. Perfect for setting. And I think okay, you have okay. the Gatherer. So it is, it's, for those who know magic, Cuddleless, a green. Enchant land. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. Add one 
Constant your man or add one mana to of any color to your pool for what the land has. And it's a cool little picture of a beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, it looks area. really pretty. Yep, I got it. I got it pulled up for our team here. I like the little flavor tech. Ravnica's mm -hmm. diversity produces blossoms of opinions Ooh. in a rich soil of perspectives. Ooh. That's very cool. I very think... lucky that this turned out to be our setting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would. Uh, this... I would agree. Um, like does anybody setting. have a problem with that? No. So. The no. one thing that I really like is you take not only like the the idea of the name or the type, but also mm -hmm. you take um, inspiration from the pictures themselves, oh, which yeah. is really really cool. And I th I was realizing that when you mentioned the plummet, I was like, how is he gonna fit plummet in it? Well, mm -hmm. there's a dragon being shot. Out. I was like, that's clever because it's not really about the card at that case, but the artwork on the card. Oh yeah, and just okay. whatever you can make it work. Like we could even take Urban Utopia and make this the drama if we wanted to, like what Ooh. what's happening, like or the goal. Let's make the place better. Maybe we can fit it. So that's another thing we could go with. Make the mm -hmm. goal be the urban utopia. Let's let this be our end game. Um, I like someone that. wants it. It could be something like it's the urban utopia on the surface. Now what happens behind the scenes is another matter all together. Like hot fuzz. It's supposedly yeah. a perfect small town, <laughs> <laughs> but where, where, where for the greater good. Yes, for the greater good. Very cool. <laughs> I say um, let's uh, set it as the setting for now. Yeah. Okay. And maybe at the end, if we want to move things around, we can do that. Ooh, that could be a little thing. Where at the very end, you're allowed to do one swap. Yeah. 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 All right. So we'll set that down in the okay. the setting is Urban Utopia. I like okay. this. I like where this is going. I love that artwork. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's, I, let's get it. Let's see. see. Is it Tito Chivrier? Ted Chivrier. Yeah. That's the artist. Okay. Awesome. Let's so... Uh, what is okay. the, the next one? Next card will be Prey Upon. Okay, this is a picture of a little pixie fairy sneaking through the woods with a creature about to snatch it up. Flavor text is Light up the dark to find your way, and the dark may seek you out by Zalen the Gutter Bard. Guilty okay, record. awesome. Okay, so what, so what do we got here? Like what looks good about That lines this? up with what I was saying in a very snarky manner. <laughs> I don't know. This could be our drama. Yeah. There's so something going on. Yeah, I was going to say, someone's someone's getting preyed upon. People are being picked off one by one. Ah, there we go. Okay, yeah. So that's really that's really cool. You got the, the, the flying pixie uh, mm -hmm. with, like, the golden light. That's pretty cool. Uh, and uh, you've got, what is that, a giant? What the hell is that in the background? It's like a grubby spider. I'm, it's something Golgari, I'm sure, if it's Ravnica. Uh, <laughs> Savra's up to some stuff. But, yes, it's about to... Have some so, lunch. so which which uh for our adventure, which uh one of the key components are we putting this in? Think in drama. Could be I think drama, that's what yeah. we're deciding on. So in the setting of the urban the... utopia, mm -hmm. something is being preyed upon. Oh yeah. Uh, either hunted maybe. Uh, True. Preying on the weak, maybe? Right, and this can also just evolve as we get all six out, and then of mm. course, when you're writing this, you know things change during the writing of it. Oh, for yeah, sure. For but sure. Um, so, especially if this is a utopia, we want to make that sure this is perfect, the great place. We can't have right, people yeah, getting they're... eaten. <laughs> or... Right, yeah. <laughs> there is no war in Bossing Say. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Who knows? Right, maybe but... this is like all the guards finding all of the corruption or something who knows oh yet. you guys oh, yeah. you know we what? definitely have some uh have some more room to grow yet i got it the city looks pristine on the top 
and mm. is full of magical energy, but underneath all of the their slaves and servants whose energy is sucked from them powers Ooh. the city. That's not go. That's gonna work. work it. Yeah. All right. We need we, we need more of this. We need okay. more of this juicy okay, stuff. What else pieces. you got for me? All right. Card number three is Child of Night. It is just a two-one vampire with life link. Ooh. Uh so the Child, Child of Night, Night is nice. Vampire Lady. Um, maybe not but, as tall as the one in the new Resident Evil game. Uh, probably not. <laughs> she's like 11 foot. <laughs> <laughs> I love the flavor text yes. on this. No guilds. That is her rule. The house vampires unnerve her. The co- the the, combi- the combine? combine? Is that what it is? The combine, yeah, combine. would yeah, dissect yeah. her. The legion burn her. The conclave cure her. I like mm. that. It's a cure. Yeah, cure. <laughs> and the shadows of all the family she needs. Or all mm. the family she needs. This could Ooh. easily be our NPC, but this could also be an interesting antagonist. Right. Could you elaborate mm. on that? So, this could be the NPC because everyone kind of hates her, and players kind of always go towards the person who's like, hey, uh, we uh, we don't want this person to just die from all of you guys. That seems not right. That right. seems yeah. a little wrong here. Oh. But alternatively, she could be the one causing all the problems. Yeah. Inversely. She could it, be preying upon all of these organizations or right. something. Inversely, if you make it the NPC, she could be the potential it. victims that's being removed, if you will, to preserve the utopia for the greater good, if you will. <laughs> yeah. They're being preyed upon. Ooh, you know that's good. Is mm. anybody writing this shit down? Toby <laughs> <laughs> Abad. I think we should figure out where we're putting her. If an antagonist from the NPC. If there's somebody watching this, please write this shit down and send it to me at criticetty at gmail This is good. Hey, um, if, if in three days someone put, writes this out and puts on the DM skill, we're gonna we're gonna get him. We're gonna find <laughs> us. Um. Uh. Before. Uh, did, was there something you wanted to touch on, Rumley? I thought it looked I was like just going to were... say I was going to uh, say the idea of maybe, um, she like like make her an NPC. She's the one getting preyed upon. Could be that because she could mm-hmm. be the antagonist or an NPC who yeah. is it's her kind of people. It's the vampires that are being, you could say they're being kind of a uh, purge yeah. to get oh. the urban utopia. I love yeah. it. This is some juicy ideas, you guys. Yeah. All from these beautiful artworks. And I think making them the antagonist is too obvious, too. So, yeah. It's a little yeah. on the nose. Yep. Might be. I did. I like I like them being the victim, though. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's kind of what like, the, the flavor text kind of makes them out to yeah. be. They're, they're kind of just this, this person who was kind of just born and everyone hates them. <laughs> yeah. We're going to fix Not you. Real. We're going to look at you. We're going to. You're so unique. Come sit down on the table so we can... <laughs> Lay down on this table for yeah. me. <laughs> um, all right. Don't uh, mind the scalpels. <laughs> so are we putting that tentatively in a spot? We're as putting as it in the NPC, I NPC NPC. Okay. For Let's now. For now. Yeah. What is our next card? Ooh. Hunted Witness. Oh! <laughs> of course! <laughs> Hunted Witness. Pull that up. Yep. I see him. Uh, see oh, he's he, he looks sketchy as hell. Ooh, he's been... Someone's going to get him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he ferried weapons, spells, exotic animals, but his most dangerous cargo was the truth. Oh, 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 oh. he saw some shit. He did. He saw it. He synced it. Rebuttal. Oh, man. Do that's we... awesome. Are we put, putting him in the NPC category as well, then? Or the antagonist. Could. I was going to say, what if he's oh, the antagonist? Yeah, he could be the antagonist. I like he's that He's the better. catalyst for everything that's going to go wrong because he's seen too much. Oh yeah, man! It, I mean, so, we don't know. 
now we create moral ambiguity. Yeah. I don't know who the players are going to side with. He could be... Yeah. And keep in mind... this is supposed to be Utopia. Get that, and then an antagonist is always not a villain per se, as much as somebody who is a catalyst against the protagonist who moves the plot along. So... Mm. And I did kind of type out who is causing the mayhem, quote, quote. Mm. So his snitching. So this creates the issue. Is it right to say that this isn't actually a utopia and that he's clearly seeing something wrong? Or is it worth taking away his life and just saying, no, this place is a utopia. We just need Mm -hmm. to kind of clean slate him a little bit. There is no worm bossing say, man. I'm telling you. Actually, given the, 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 the description, I could see this guy being a mob boss of some kind. Because think about it. If he's varying weapons, exact gammas, mm-hmm. spells, and he knows the truth, he could be using such who to manipulate oh, yeah. those in power. <laughs> you know what? I like that. It, it, they call him the hunted witness, but maybe secretly he's playing the innocent card, but is actually the mob boss or somebody in control mm-hmm. of something that's going on. And he's trying to leverage his position to share information he's, he's discovered about the happenings inside our mm-hmm. urban utopia. Or even, yeah, he could double on that by even maybe he could say, hey, there's a party members. I, I'm being, someone's coming after me. You got like, he could be punking them the whole time. Yeah. And say, like, yeah. Like you're like, he's, he's using the party to just. Just to gain. Just, just nix his uh, opponents. Yep. You, you got to help me. They're after me. Yeah. <laughs> Could you believe it? Like, it's the child of night. <laughs> yeah, right? She's yeah, the child of night. <laughs> Point the finger somewhere else. Exactly. You gotta, you gotta deflect. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Okay. Okay. All right, what else we got? Okay, let's see, let's see what we're what, missing. We're what missing are we missing? We're missing a goal, goal and another NPC. NPC. Yeah. Okay. So far. Let's see what we got. I think goal might be the hardest one to get, so let's see what mm-hmm. we got. Torch Courier. It's a 1-1 goblin. <laughs> Sacrifice him. Another target creature gains haste on the turn. So the torch courier. Okay, so that. I mean, it feels like it has to be the NPC, but yeah, like how can we how can we fit it? Well, the flavor could it represent light a torch and deliver this letter were his instructions, which he unfortunately reversed. So (laughs) it could be it could be some kind of goal, like get this from here to there. Yeah, maybe oh, like he that. wants you to get his. Go testimony. see this goblin. He's got a piece of information. I need you to get it and deliver mm-hmm. it. But then, and who do you deliver to? Be... The child of night yeah. or the hunted witness? Depends on and what it... they're seeking and the information inside. Mm-hmm. But that that could work. Would and that this doesn't be... even have to be like the main, like go, like the main goal. I mean, it's it's just a goal. You could add a goal. On, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or it doesn't. Yeah, just one of the goals. I mean, it doesn't have to be the primary thing. It can right. be that you have to get your get this message from somewhere to another. I like that. So it's it turns this into the goal being some sort of delivery, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome because you know that's not just to go kill this thing, yeah. which I'm a fan of. And do the party members peek at the testimony before they get? <gasps> what if part of the hook is you find out what the message is right off the bat, and the quest is mm-hmm. okay? Who do we give this to? <laughs> oh shit! Oh, the child of night. There's hunted witness. There's. They both show up and they start bribing. Hey, you know, that was supposed to come to me. Um, mm-hmm. That's mine. Can you give it to me? I'll be forced to call, you know, the the magistrate or I'll have to take off your head if you don't return my my property. Its, con- yeah. its contents are uh, secret. Did you read the contents? If you did, you're in some shit. Oh, this is good. Yeah. Okay. I like this. Maybe the mage can use mending to repair the wax seal and 
Yeah. Oh, to hide like shit. that they tampered with it, you know? That is great. Swap that it out with so explosive good. runes. So <gasps> when you get to... The rogue. Anybody, any of the characters that might have the forgery skill could even mm-hmm. change it to benefit themselves. Yeah. That would be so threatening. That would be so like more like okay the this this object is supposed to go from point A to point B and it's supposed to help aid these other people but if you just change a few things that help now goes wherever you want it oh my gosh yeah could be to the yep. child of night maybe she's even part of the children of night that's like a a uh, group of like Same a social like like let's get yeah let let's you know we want you know we want to be. We're tired of being discriminated. We're we're the children of night. You know, we're we we established our little, um, you know, group to mm-hmm. very push cool our acceptance. Valaxion in the chat says the villain is invisible in the dark. The torch cord, uh, the torch courier and the witness were together, but the torch cur- courier was focused on delivering a letter and didn't see what the witness saw. Ooh, that's one angle. That's good. Okay. I like it. All right, all right. So we we got him. That is, is our goal is some sort of delivery, right? Mm-hmm. Of yes. letter. Okay. Is are we got one more? The, the NPC. The NPC, right? Yeah. Well, it's it gonna be, be something like an island or something. Yeah. <laughs> hey. I'm Splash Rock, the island. <laughs> oh no. You you seek the children of night. They live under my waves. I don't know. It's all. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty it's good. So wild. We get. Called disdainful stroke. It's a blue spell. Disdain. But we can also go by the art. It's a fellow striking a scroll in half of a spell. It's a counter spell. The text is laws apply only to those who lack the vision to see past them. Ooh. 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 That's really cool. Is it just me or is this guy cutting up evidence? He is. That's that's what he is doing in our urban utopia. He's trying yeah. to hide some stuff. He wrote Ooh. This is good. Oh, our main goal right now is to deliver a message. This guy's destroying a message or a scroll of some kind. <laughs> so maybe he's trying to stop the, the characters from successfully delivering oh, yeah. the message. All kinds of interlopers Ooh. that will get in the way. The flavor text. This is really good. The flavor text. The laws only apply to those who lack the vision to see past them, which seems to line up with a <laughs> utopia for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really this is really cool. Like, what if this guy's the antagonist instead of the witness? I mean, yeah. Ooh, mm-hmm. I like that. I mean, I think we can really go either so, way with that one because okay. we made strong arguments both ways. But I don't think we can go wrong either. Right. So now we're gonna we're gonna test. I think that's all of them, right? Yeah. Yes, that's all six. So now we're going to test Remley's adventure storytelling skills. Remley, would you like oh. to put this into a quick, cohesive description of an adventure? Okay, so, it's the urban <laughs> utopia. Everything looks great. Everything looks fine, except somewhere, scream up. Something is something is happening to boss so and so as right. <laughs> he's been found hurt and beat up, and his stuff has been taken. The last one who saw it was uh, of the Goblin. Go find <laughs> him. It. And at the same time, there's all these protests going on in town. The Children of Night. Got to watch out for them. They might be stirring up some trouble. Who knows? But the this missive that the Hunter Witness has was something to... There was an establishment to rid the town of the Children of Night. And perhaps they are sending an agent of their own 
from Disdainful Stroke to intercept and get rid of this missive. You as players don't quite know what it is until you get there, maybe, but you will be hunted. You will most likely encounter protests and have to finagle yourself around the Children of Night. I like that. Um, and you can tell that where their protests are by an obscene number of umbrellas because they're vampires and they need to keep the sun. <laughs> That's awesome. True. <laughs> or I love it. Um, wow. So I have to say this is by far one of the most fun processes I think I've ever been involved with when creating a venture. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's because we're in a group or because I just love this feel of using these cards and these beautiful art pieces and names to kind of guide the design. Um, it's it's a very also just a good way to do mental exercises. Mm-hmm. So you could sit here and do this and then the, the work of it would be to then, okay, make it happen. Um, and again, with the 48 hour time limit, that makes you get straight to the, the punch. I've done this twice. The first one it came out, I, ha- I finished it with like an hour and 30 minutes left to spare. Um, you don't have to work the full, full 48 hours. I mean, that's just, I God, I don't, don't step up. Well, sometimes if you stay up really late, it will make your mind go weird places and you get strange plot lines. Um, second time I tried it, Perhaps, didn't quite yeah. work out. I, uh, used an M20 pack, but I spent way too much time on like an overland map. But then mm-hmm. by the time I realized this map was not going to work whatsoever, it was like too late. Yeah. So it kind of made me go, okay, I got to prioritize right. what I do. Um, don't spend all this time drawing that map. Um, <laughs> do something simpler. That kind of reminds me in the same vein when we were do- back in college, my degrees in broadcasting. When we were doing a 40-hour film festival, we had a couple more scenes to shoot near the end. Yeah. But our mm-hmm. main person we cast as our main actress said, screw this and stop showing up to everything. So we had to make do with what we had in the editing room. Oh, no. First of all, I, this has been awesome. It's really cool. Um, I do have a question. Mm-hmm. What kind of challenges do you kind of run in with this process, and how do you overcome them? Or, well, you might have just touched on that, I think. Well, um, sometimes maybe I would say that your more abstract things, like goal or drama, could be the hardest ones. So, like, if you're if you're stuck at the end, the last thing you want to draw in this method is maybe NPC or antagonist or something like that. Uh, because usually you can find a picture of there's either a person on it or not. For example, if we had had to put prey upon into NPC, we could have made it be this little fairy person. Um, Urban Utopia. (laughs) Yeah. Urban Utopia. It could have been just the people themselves could have been. I think it's a little easier to bend a, bend a card that is more abstract to an NPC than reverse. Although you could possibly take any of these and say they are, the goal, the child of night, based on that flavor text, um, wants to be accepted, wants to be seen as normal, like all vampires. Prey upon could have also been a goal. Maybe you have to go get something. Maybe right. <laughs> get somebody. Yeah, you got to go snatch something up for someone. Urban Utopia. That's that's you know the end game. We got to make this all good. Hunted mm. witness. That's your goal. Get him. Um, so there are all kinds of ways to finagle this around and sometimes you can just take something and just mitigate its presence in the, the adventure it could be even that that torch courier could be one of six things on a chart to right. advance your the plot adventure yeah because yeah. you're not really writing a story you're writing a an adventure that right. can go all kinds of ways based on the players 
Right, right. Or there could be more than one torch carrier. Yeah. Could be a Tons fox a fox carrier. Like they send out three, but only one's carrying the actual piece of information. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you might need to prevent the, the delivery of said messages because it might cause more problems. And there's so many ways okay. we can go with this. Alrighty. So uh, before we close out the main topic, um, do you want to give our listeners and audience uh, uh, a little taste of something you might be working on or coming up that they can uh, look forward to from your okay. content? Um, I have been tinkering around with getting my own little independent publishing house for OSR content, which just like everybody else who does OSR RPGs does, um, I'm just kind of waiting on time. For those that don't know, what is Mm -hmm. OSR? Oh, it is the old school revival. So it is first edition style D&D. Osric. I've mostly, yes. So I've mostly found that, um... I don't know, like, the more I've kind of played and written in that format, the just, the easier it is. And it is a little more inviting to the weird, um, (laughs) so to say. (laughs) At the same time, Jeff and I are in the pre-planning process of a sequel to Blinksky's Toy Shop, which I helped with. Um, I didn't have nearly as much involvement with Blinksky's as I did the ones from our trilogy of clown monsters. But this one... We kind of liked some NPCs from there, right. uh, Kip and Kip and Wingo, two gnome brothers who are just the worst. So <laughs> I think I know those people. So we chose. Uh, he he came up with the title Kip and Wingo versus Evil, and <laughs> awesome. if you're familiar with the spoof of that title, then <laughs> I'll let you run with speculations <laughs> on that. <laughs> Tucker and Dale. <laughs> All right, I. Th- think that'll do it for our main topic. Um, before we cl- turn on to our Unearthed Tips and Tricks, do you want to give yourself a plug for some of your content? Where people can find you and your content and something you want to promote specifically? Yeah. Um, um, mostly my website, rimleyfar.com, is uh, where you find most of my stuff listed. You can follow along my goofy little adventure blog that I do a full write-up and art for for the Tomb of Annihilation game that I'm DMing. Um, as far as content, we've had a lot of people play Madhouse of Tasha's Kiss and a lot of people play Happy Jack's Funhouse. Um, uh, Annalise's Revenge, though, which is probably of the three, the one that Jeff kind of let me off the leash the most for. <laughs> so I got to be a little more... There were some times we're writing Happy Jack where I'd send him something. He'd go, hold on a minute. <laughs> Do we... <laughs> I don't want to put up too many warnings. Um... So Annalise's Revenge, uh, by all means, if I'm going to direct anybody to a commission I've done, Annalise's Revenge is where I'd like to direct them. Maybe to get her the more so love of the three in the trilogy. As far as my personal projects, Petey's Pork Pie Emporium is probably the one where I got to test out all my stuff and just, (laughs) just go completely insane. I yeah. love I love reading that shit, man. You, you, your stuff is just so off the wall. I have me cracking up, man. It's, it's like, yep, barbecue restaurant, uh, pigs, demons. <laughs> no one's going to shoot me for plagiarizing because no one's going to come up with this stuff. All right. right. Um, I added the link to your website into our chat. You'll also find it in our show notes at CritAcademy.com slash post slash episode 209. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment. 
where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Today, our character concept is the Undead Gladiator. They say you can't squeeze blood out of empty pockets. I'm proof you can bring out some blood. Debt is an ugly thing. Owing anyone anything can come back to bite you, even if you come by the debt honestly. An indebted gladiator is one who make, makes amends, working to pay off obligation, or keeping an extortionist at bay. Some might fight to remove a stain on their reputation, or to earn enough coin to free loved ones from captivity. Depending on their circumstances, the gladiator might be reckless, having little left to live for, or careful with everything to lose. Indebtedness rarely lasts forever, though, unless you make another unwise bargain or you owe someone dishonest who just doesn't want to lose a good gladiator. I really like this character concept because traditionally um, being a gladiator is tied to you're just a servant, a slave owned by somebody. The idea that you're going into it voluntarily because you owe somebody money, um, I guess that in an extent is kind of a sl servitude, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and trying to win the money back Inherently. for them. But uh, to me, it's it gives your gladiator character a little bit more detail than I'm a slave, which is, you know, maybe you're a gladiator that's not a slave and you go and participate in the ring because you owe such a huge debt and your adventuring career hasn't just taken off yet. Um, what do you guys think about this? Well, I think um. the most important question is, just like with any other background you choose for your character, are you entertained? <laughs> I get that it, reference. It uh, it reminds me a little bit of um, in the Star Wars Edge of the Empire RPG, which is a very good Star Wars one. If you ever want to pick up a Star Wars RPG, your characters have essentially what is called debt. So you have to pick some kind of faction that you owe some kind of debt to, and then what level is it? Like the Empire, the Huts, the this, the that. And what that can kind of, that what I like about this is. It definitely gives you a sense of motivation. It gives the DM mm -hmm. something to work with. And I am also one of those who's tried to do the concept of gold equals XP in 5th edition. I've always wanted to try that out. This is a perfect way to make gold equal XP. If you owe oh, gold yeah. as a debt, you cash it off and you remove it from inventory, but then it turns into XP that you can use to level up as in you are hmm. paying off that the is debt. Cool. That's an interesting uh, idea. I like that. I like this character concept because you could easily make this. Because whenever you think gladiator, you think like a, like a, a fighter or a barbarian, right? Because I always think like, what kind of class could I run this that's not generic? And the one that I came to was actually the warlock. You mm. owe the patron money, and that's it. He just wants money out of you. He doesn't want anything else. He didn't ask for your soul or anything. He just wants material <laughs> components. He wants gold. And so you're just like, well, I mean, I can go fight for you. That's fine. <laughs> that's hilarious. And you My could patron. easily turn this into, like, a hex blade or, like, I don't know, something, right? Something more melee-focused. My patron is a pirate. Give me your gold. Yar, be ready. Um, all right, I think that'll do it for our character concept, the Indebted Gladiator. 
Our monster variant of the podcast is Boulder Tooth. This fiendish-looking subterranean creature is a terror to behold. Its piercing claws and horned head give it almost a devilish appearance. Its most notable feature is its massively long tongue that splits at the end with its own set of vicious teeth, perfect for pinning down its prey while its guts are removed. Um... So I really like this character, this monster variant. We are going to start Boulder Tooth with the origin of the Hydra, but we're going to remove the multiple heads, the reactive heads, and the wakeful heads because it only has one head, so it wouldn't have any of those powers. But also because its multiple heads allows it to attack, we have to make a few adjustments on the attack front to make sure that it gets the extra attacks and stuff that it would need. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to give it Tremor Sense and Burrow. We want this thing popping up out of the ground like a high-level bullet that's just going to not jump on people, but like these tongues, not like I've watched Graboids or anything, come up out of the ground and wrap around somebody's foot and suck them under. Um, Mm. Terrible, terrible experience, by the way. All right, guys, you're on your way. Jim, you ready? Jim? Everybody seen Jim? Um, So the first thing we're... Right? Yeah, it it told. I don't know who did the artwork for this, um, this monster that I designed this after, but uh, it totally looked like a graboid with feet. <laughs> so uh, the bite attack is going to do uh, have a fifteen foot reach because it's going to use its long mouth tongue, I guess, and uh, deals one d ten plus five damage. If the target is larger, smaller, it is grappled with an escape DC of thirteen. That's not right. That should be higher than that. We're going to push that to fifteen. Uh, until this grapple ends, the Boulder Tooth can only bite uh, uh, the creature that it's grappled. But it has advantage to do so. Uh, It also has claws that have a plus 8 to attack that are also 1d10 plus 5 slashing damage. And the target uh, hit must make a a successful saving throw, strength saving throw of 15 or be knocked prone. So not only does this guy grapple you like a boss, he'll knock knock you to the pavement. But here's where it gets interesting. In order to keep its damage up to pace with a CR8, we had to get a little creative. So, of course, I would give it legendary actions because I much prefer legendary actions, the enemy attacking on other people's turns, than just attacking a bunch all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a personal taste of mine. I think it makes it more engaging, but, you know, do what you want, I guess. You can I also... love legendary actions. Oh, um, yeah, me too. We need more of them um, with, too. like, low-level... Like, a boss at level one? Sure, give them legendaries. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Honestly. Um, it is worth noting that this creature does have multi-attack, but only gets two attacks. Mm-hmm. Because our legendary is going to only cost one action. Um, I For some reason, I felt the need to actually write that in there. That's strange. <laughs> <laughs> the boulder tooth uh, makes uh, one attack with its biter claw. Uh, burrowing retreat. Now, this is my favorite part. Mm-hmm. The boulder tooth uses its disengage and moves up to 20 feet. That includes burrowing. Jump out, attack somebody, grab them. Oh, you attack me? Too bad. I'm going to take your buddy into the pits. Um, so that's really exciting because that instantly gives it things like cover and shit and is terrifying. And of course, this is a monstrous creature. We want to give it something terrifying. We're going to give it unsettling roar. Creatures within 30 feet of the boulder tooth must succeed a DC 15 wisdom saving throw or must subtract a 1d4 from their next attack roll or saving throw. Mm-hmm. Um what do you, I want, Remley, what do you think about yeah. this? See, I'm mean, and I will make it use Unsettling Roar while it's underground. So it'll roar, oh, then yes. bust up, snatch somebody, maybe burrow back down, roar again, to just make it where 
hey, you're not going to make do too well on these saving throws. And... <laughs> oh, nice. Edgar. I love it. And I guess if you're dragged underground that you can't burrow, you're stuck. <laughs> I yeah. also like how this doesn't give the frightened condition, yes. which I know paladins, if there's <laughs> even just one on the team, they will just be like, nah, we're not, we're not scared of you. But this will mean they are going to be scared of you, and I like this. Because it's scared in a different way, where they yeah. kind of have oh. the Bane effect almost, which is really cool. And that was that was really part of it, is I didn't want to combine something that already burrows and grapples and drags people away with an effect that will send all the players in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to put something else, some other debuff on there. I, um, I definitely agree with you on sometimes fear in D&D. It's almost where Frightened... It's like, it's just, just, re- just remove it as a condition altogether. If it's that terrifying, the, p- the players will run. They'll just run automatically. No, for sure. <laughs> like, Your players run? Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess... Uh, <laughs> it may, it's they just have the option a particular case, and we very seldom have ran from things that are... We should have ran, <laughs> uh, but we decided not today. I remember right. the bomb. Um, what are you talking about? <laughs> I remember the giant flesh beehive we ran into, and uh, for some reason we thought, yeah, we'll be okay. We'll just run in there and try and save everybody. Yeah, that was a stupid idea. Flesh beehives got flesh honey. Let's get something to eat. My character wasn't complaining. It almost worked out. I mean, it did work out. None of us died. Uh, well, kind of. One of us kind of should have died, but didn't. Hooray uh, no. for that. Yeah. Bowsette <laughs> says my characters never run. Um, that probably means they die sometimes. <laughs> um, so I think that'll uh, do it for this monster. It's another one of my... I, I love making monsters. Um, if you like the sounds of this and you want to check it out, there will be a full one-page write-up with backstory lore and lore that's set up that you can feed to your characters based on skill checks. Um, uh, you can head on over to criticemmy.com slash Patreon. Every week I publish these and they look really nice. Um, very professional manner, yeah. all that jazz. So they uh, look check it legit. out. <laughs> uh, but we, for the next thing, the encounter of the podcast is necromantic mists. Uh, the characters are approached by a devastated town's survivors. A priest, perhaps, or a local elder, begs them to ensure that this effect does not repeat itself here or any other town. The survivor describes a thick black mist that swallowed the entire town. Those that didn't manage to escape are swallowed up, but by the choking mist. Yes. Uh, after a few minutes of convulsing and trembling, they fell to the ground dead, only to raise a few minutes later as mindless zombies. He even offers to seek support from the churches in the nearest major community, a few days distant in this case, uh, in raising a reward for them to do so. I am Emeshki, a dwarf necromancer. Uh, has begun experimenting with a new spell that creates a necrotic mist that not only kills in mass, but also immediately converts those filled with the mist into mindless zombies. The loss of control of the mist proves the spell hasn't been perfected yet. The characters must deal with this threat before he masters his spell and forms a powerful undead army at his command. Now, I'm going to say this immediately. That should totally be a spell that the characters can eventually learn because that would be amazing. (laughs) Just mass chaos everywhere. You know, when I of course I'm maybe a smaller scale, but right yeah. when I was uh, putting that together, uh, it came from uh, I, I'm reading. Uh, I'm going through again. I lo- anybody that listens to the show knows I love Brandon Sanderson. I'm list- oh, yeah. uh, reading uh, Mistborn again, and I was like, man, 
that that black mist that coats the coats the place in the the world at night, man. That needs to like just like choke people to death and like turn them into zombies. I'm like, oh, that's an encounter idea. I'm gonna go write that up. I like it a lot. Remley, what do you think? So, see, I'm looking at it and thinking, hmm, maybe I can just ally with this necromancer and say, hey, this this, this kobold cave, they got a lot of treasure. Just throw your mist in there and then march them out and we'll go in. You know, little things like that. Um, yeah, you just strike some deals. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the person you know, clearly has some power here. Those people weren't using their bodies for anything good anyways. They were probably just, <laughs> just you know, farmers. farming and leather working. And Breathe now they that. can, yeah. Now they, you know, they don't eat as much. They he's he's got a lot of real estate now. The market, <laughs> you got you created housing for people. Um, Meshki is, uh, I mean, let's strike a deal. Maybe more oh an antihero God. in this case, right? Maybe That's maybe my more urban an utopia. antihero. Is it my <laughs> urban <laughs> utopia. Our urban utopia. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I like all this. Right. Yeah, it's 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 definitely uh, something I had a little fun with. Hadn't considered turning it into a spell. Um, totally could like use fog or uh, cloud kill as kind of a template, uh, and then but, just kind of uh, obviously increase the the level of it because this is doing well, some weird <laughs> shit. Uh, right. But I or because like, that'd be interesting for a player to use in uh, just kind of any form of mass setting. So. I mean, currently I have like a war campaign going on right now. I could easily see this just causing immediate chaos. No one knows what to do anymore on both sides because there's just mindless zombies all of a sudden sprouting up and they're just immediately just consuming all things around them. And that'd be very interesting to run. And uh, part of the the quest could be trying to figure out who did it too. Maybe they don't know. They don't mm-hmm. know where it came from. And it could become this big mystery of what the hell is going on. You know, mm-hmm. You don't have to know that there's somebody behind it. I mean, magic yeah. occurs naturally in the world all the time. So maybe even to balance it, have like a like an expensive material component that it consumes. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I know a Circle of Death kind of does that. I want to say it's. Uh-huh. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, like an onyx that's worth a ton of gold. Maybe this. Yeah, let me look that up. Mes- Meshki, he can be hiring you to go get some gemstone. It turns out that is what he needs, or it's like the skull of oh, a dragon God. with a diamond put into it. Something. Him hiring the players yeah. to find the material component. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah, Circle of Death. Man, even though it's, that's awesome. Circle of Death is only six level. However, it has the component of the powder of a crushed black pearl worth of at least five hundred gold pieces. Mm. That's a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah. So definitely cool for one uh, spell. Yeah, it's a lot. All right, I think that'll do it for our encounter of the podcast, the Necromantic Miss. Ian, Very would you like cool. to tell us about our magic item? Today's magical item is the Corrupted Heavy Crossbow of Triumph, made with our magic item generator. Yay. Now, the item is a heavy crossbow, and it's rare and requires attunement. When you hit with an attack using this magical weapon, the target takes an extra 1d6 necrotic damage. In addition, when you hold this weapon... You gain resistance to radiant damage. So I guess you're going to hunt down angels. This is the weapon they use. The bow... God, I love doing shit like this. I know, right? (laughs) The bow is coated in the aura of black mist. Flames within 10 feet flicker and dim to half their range. Well, that's not ominous at all. I love that flavor. (laughs) I love that flavor so much. I'm stealing that. When you want people to know that you're a bad guy. Yes, this is it. (laughs) The Zorax would love this. And also, there's more. 
when you kill a creature with this weapon, a rush of triumphant glory imbues you with the eagerness for the next fight. Whenever you make an attack roll or saving throw for the next minute, you can roll a d6 and add the number rolled to your attack roll or saving throw. And you can't use this feature again until you finish a short or long rest. Yeah. I think it like certainly should be very rare, I think. I think uh, this item is the, should that really be Pretty called powerful. the get crap done weapon. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, this is the, yeah. <laughs> so, uh... This was, as Ian had pointed out, is 100% from our corru- uh, our magic item generator in progress. Uh, I've got really big tables of affixes and prefixes. And you roll on those tables and each prefix or affix gives a specific feature to an item. Um, hmm. I'm still working on all the wording and everything and using it to auto-calculate the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the rarity. Um, so still need a little work there, but I'll get there. But... Uh, Basically, the goal is to have an item that generates with a unique a unique name, or at least a, a rarer name you would get than, you have a magic sword. Yeah. <laughs> so I do uh, like the idea that it's a corrupted weapon. I, don't wanna, I want mm-hmm. to know why is it corrupted? What corrupted it? What turned it this way? What does it look like? You know, like, there's a lot you can work off with just a good word like that, and I like yeah. that a lot. Oh, yeah. It's so funny. Like I read through these when I put them in the show notes to make sure everything's all uh, legit, and then I still find errors as somebody else is reading it out loud. <laughs> uh, Rumley, what do you think about this? Um, I like the uh, so little things with uh, magic items that I always like are the little ambience bits, like the bows coated in or like mist and flames mm-hmm. within ten feet flicker and dim to half their range. Like that's because I have players that will just use that to just mess with people all the time. <laughs> Like, stand away from the cooking pot or uh, little stuff like that. Or if they find a fire elemental, I'll wave my bow at it. Uh, things along those lines to see if they can make something happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that, even though it gives them the D6 boost to hit or save, that it is a once per short or long rest um, feature. Because I can definitely see that getting way out of hand. Out of hand, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, and that's the. And this does still need some word verbiage uh, adjustments, like. This is specifically only supposed to be available, like for a very short period of time. Maybe a short rest is too generous, um, but it isn't something that should be used often. Um, well, for the triumph thing, but it doesn't necessarily apply to the other things. So only occasionally you get this extra boost. Otherwise, it only does this other hmm. stuff. Well, actually, I don't mind the just every short, short or long rest thing because a it only comes in late after you kill something, and b it's true. You, it's very rare, and it, and one thing I noticed too is it does not have a plus two attack or damage by default other than the 1d6, so I see the roll a d6 once to mitigate it, so, and let's be real here. And it's usually a pretty big thing when it comes to these kinds of weapons, is usually they have like a plus modifier, and this one doesn't. It theoretically already has a plus three to damage, because of how the necrotic damage die roll will add. Right, on average. Mm -hmm. So... It's 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 kind of not that much more different than like a Holy Avenger, and I've got right. a, a player right now in my game who's got a Holy Avenger. Um, uh, I and, I yeah. also like the the resistance to radiant damage as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to kind of be give it that like it is this very shadowy weapon. So I don't know, it, it is cool, and I'm this is crazy that it kind of came from just a magic item generator because that's not something I would normally think of. And I feel and like of course yeah. it doesn't have to be a crossbow either. No, it could be anything. And I think, well, yeah, that just happened to be what I rolled. 
Mm-hmm. And I think I'm in the same vein, too. If you're fighting something that deals radiant damage, you've dong goofed in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, typically, <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> typically you've done some bad if you're fighting something with radiant uh, damage. Yep. All right. So, uh, okay. I also like how the names come out. That was the big part of it, is I wanted these mm-hmm. really cool names, so... It sounds awesome, I think. <laughs> I think so. It reminds uh, me of, like, old-school, like, RPG, like, like dungeon like Diablo? loot stuff. Yeah, like Diablo. <laughs> like, exactly like Diablo. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly like Diablo. There's a reason why it still works. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, that'll do it for our magic item, the Corrupted Heavy Crossbow of Triumph. If you like this magic item, you can head on over to CritAcademy.com. Under our store, we have a free loot section. There is a small sample of the magic item generator. Um, it's not super refined yet, but it's a work in progress. So maybe uh, pick it up and ch- check it out. Give it a couple tries and let me know what you like. Give me some feedback. I always welcome it. It's the only way to improve. Remily, would you like to tell us about our Dungeon Master tip today? Okay. We have our Dungeon Master tip is Vampire Clans. Vampires sometimes form extended alliances that include several vampires, who are sometimes related by blood. They call these families clans. Such clans develop networks of servants, mortal and otherwise. This makes them perfect for the aristocracy as nobles build their life around making connections and forming alliances. Clan vampires especially prize Dampier servants, whom they exalt as being favored over normal mortals. The Dampiers are afforded special privileges in vampire society, and they are given names honoring ancient or legendary vampires. Um, go ahead. Oh, as a huge fan of what we do in the shadows, uh, yeah, <laughs> let's make them. Um, what I do like about this is if me and a, another buddy of mine have talked about just RPG ideas. And we've always liked the idea of when there are those who build characters and then those who build parties. This is a good example of people building a party. Mm-hmm. And also an interesting idea of, I kind of tell people don't let like race and class make your character different from the others. Let's do mm-hmm. one where everyone's a vampire. Let's yeah. do one where everyone's a dwarf. We've like, talked yeah. very commonly of let's let everyone be a cleric and just yeah. see what happens. And like, that's the Clerics are scary. <laughs> yeah, you're all rolling fancy dice to do damage, and you're all p- making your numbers go up to make the DM not hurt you with their fancy dice. And <laughs> and there's enough diversity in the vampire clans, I think, where you can get together, even let the players decide what's our plan, our clan going to be like. Are they going to take something out of uh, World of Darkness uh, from one of those areas and just reskin it? Grab something out of you know, what we do in the shadows? Maybe they all live in a New York apartment. Um, but <laughs> then if you bring in things like dampiers, then servants, like I can see the person being like the human barbarian, and that's the one that they just human kick down this door, <laughs> then just <laughs> yes, and then <laughs> go through like that if if they want to vary it up that way. But it does create a good little niche. Even a DM could even say, okay, what does your little mansion look like? And I've I've done something kind of like that with with a group, but with drow. I actually gave them, like, you're a draw priestess, draw mage, draw this, you're a writer, and you are a mind flayer. Um, And I said, here is your base, and I grabbed some kind of castle map, slammed it down. (laughs) How are you setting it up? And that's cool. They got to tinker around with it. Well, these that you just gave, like, everybody's, like, the same class. It made me think of the webcomic, the weekly roll, 
and there was one that was effectively why all paladin parties don't work. And it's just a group of paladins <laughs> who were like discussing the plan. Okay, I think we have the idea of what we're going to do next. And we all worship the same god, so we're great. And his prophet, and they all say, and then they all name different names for who the prophet of the god is. <laughs> and it's like, and it's like a, a short pause. And then they cut back to, to the present, and let's just say that worked out very well. <laughs> okay. Like, Sir McNasty's over there with the weird-looking crossbow that makes the candles go down. I don't think we want him in our order anymore. <laughs> he says uh, he's getting some regents back. for a dwarf dude who wants to create some kind of gas. I don't know if it's. <laughs> I don't know if he's really the one anymore, guys. I'm oh really confused. Gosh. Oh, you totally could tweak that uh, that mist to turn stuff into vampires. Oh yeah, or that's or that's oh. what the vampires used to get their thralls. Like, yeah. that's even cooler. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, the big thing about this is every time I think about nobles in uh, the aristo- uh, the aristocracy, I always think these should all be vampires, or at least a working group of vampires, because nobles are already obnoxious, like. Mm. Um, but they have so much information and they're such a great source for, um, political intrigue. And so for me, it always made sense that, Hey, if you're going to do that, there should be somebody kind of manipulating this from behind the scene. And I never give credit to mortals. I always feel like it should be like uh, a monster or something in vampires. They just fit it. They just, they fit. Mm -hmm. Um, so all right, I think that'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip. Uh, vampire clans. No vampire hunts alone. Ignore no. everything you think about Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> our player tip of the podcast is... Don't, don't be, be a, a dick! dick. Role-playing a dampier. A dampier... Is it dampier? It's dampier, right? Yeah, that's what I've, I've called it, yeah. yeah a dampier, whatever his or her base race, can be mistaken for some sort of fey creature due to their pale skin, willowy features, unnatural charisma, and slightly pointy ears. <laughs> Closer inspection, however, reveals subtle traits inherited by their vampire parents. Clearly, I'm one episode too late on the gothic, gothic, gothic stuff. The, <laughs> the image of the dampier is that of a mysterious outsider swathed in shadow, a lonesome anti-hero, seldom at peace with society or themselves. Dampiers are mortals. They have no exceptional vulnerability to sunlight or radiant damage. Because of this, true vampires sometimes mm. refer to them as daywalker. That sounds familiar. Where did I hear that before? Hmm. Is that from Blade? Grave Walker yep. from yep. South Park. <laughs> yep. It's from Dave Blade. Walkers. Although I do have to so, uh, say, I thought it was hilarious though in what we do in the shadows when Wesley Snipes had a guest star appearance briefly in one episode. It was oh, called yeah. the, 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 the Daywalker. Oh, like a Skype call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a Skype call. Yeah. Um, so is 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 uh, is Blade a dampier? Yeah, effectively. Yes. Yeah, because he was. I think their source was he was his mother was giving birth to him and then was bitten, and so it kind of passed the vampire bloodline onto him, but not as much. So that is why he is a daywalker. Why he can do all this cool stuff. Walk he around, the garlic. Yeah. Although his garlic. origins change so many times, like so many comic book characters, who knows anymore? <laughs> yeah. No, um, a yeah. dampier raised among accepting or merely unknowing people could have a normal childhood. Another might face severe prejudice, while yet another might be raised to believe in his or her natural superiority. As one might 
be expected. Dampiers, aware of their true heritage, sometimes develop a morbid fascination with death, shadow, and undead. This leads to quirks other living mortals find disconcerting, including blood drinking, macabre fashion sense, gallows humor, gallows humor. Ah, don't lose your head. First time. <laughs> Extreme bloodlust and other dark behaviors. I think a dampier would make a great barbarian. Oh yeah. I think it'd make a great barbarian. Yeah. I, um I the weird part is me being me, I kept thinking about the blood angels from uh, Warhammer 40k. Because of course I did. I have, Since I have not yeah. played. Um, what do you guys think about uh, Remley? What do you think about this character, this uh, player tip? Um, I like it, uh, especially one of my guys in the Tomb of Annihilation campaign. He wanted to play a Dampier, but it was before the Dampier rules came out. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, I found out that there actually were vampire race rules already out for Five E. So nice from like, from like the uh, they did that like Magic the Gathering like planar shift thing where they had like yep. a little fifty page and I grabbed the vampire race from Ixalan and said use this instead. Um, <sighs> I like this idea of for one it lets people play these more uh, monstery sort of characters, mm-hmm. but then gives you a reason as to why this monstery character can live in a more traditional type of world. Right. Um, because yeah, things like I think that's where like your half works half dragons things like that come into play being you know half of what that of what the quote-unquote monster is helps them blend in and it also creates a bit of drama um you if you have a parent who is as many mortal peasants in this time would see as a monstrous blood-sucking vicious individual well that tends to that that uh little stamp follows you as well so maybe they're talking with your teeth hidden like this all the time. I don't know. <laughs> <Some kind of. laughs> I love it. That's really funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that'll do it for our role-playing tip. Don't be a dick. Nope. And you can avoid dickitude by role-playing your damn peer. Yeah. Just to be sure, I'm not telling you exactly how. I'm just giving you ideas. Mm-hmm. Over here, right. we're very open to whatever damn peer uh way you want to play your dampier. I don't know, maybe play. you're a druid dampier and you're just kind of living in the forest eating squirrels all day. Yeah. Come to me, squirrel. <laughs> Drinking. <laughs> they drink They drink the syrup from the from the trees. Oh, yeah, they just put their teeth on the side Tree of the trunk. Tree blood. And, yeah. <laughs> it was like, ah. <laughs> That's funny. It's eating bark and shit. Yeah. All right. Uh, Wait, would that make a beaver? It's got beaver teeth? <laughs> would that make a uh, vegan vampire obsessed with maple syrup? Just saying. Um, I think that'll do it for our show today. Before we close out here, we have another wonderful gift to give away. Um, Remley, would you like to tell everyone about uh, our giveaway today? Yeah, this is one of mine. It's uh, Petey's Pork Pie Emporium. Try to say that five times fast. The basic hook (laughs) is uh, that Lady Felice is missing, but rumors abound that she was last seen working as a server at Petey's Pork Pie Emporium, a local home-style barbecue restaurant. But wait, she's moved up to corporate. Where is that? And why do all the employees seem so oblivious to her disappearance? So if you just want to have a good old-fashioned adventure through a homestyle barbecue restaurant with corporate jokes, blood, money, and pigs. It's so funny. Like, all your your adventures are part of your... uh, How do you say that word? Your your Uh, magazine. uh, Dwergus. I found out Dwergus... I came up with the Dwergus thing. It was during one of those dang hurricanes that I live in Southeast Georgia. So the hurricanes, they used to come like, well, they, they just 
they just show up sometimes. Um, <laughs> I was drawing something, just doodling something on the table, and it was kind of creepy looking, as it ends up usually most of the time. And I said, this looks like some kind of eldritch god. I found out there's a, an old D&D Forgotten Realms entity called Dwirgus, who ran the flesh forges of the Plains of the Abyss and would make demons. Like, he was the manufacturing. So I took that, slapped on, like, a like construction foreman-style aspect and said, okay, these pig things, I'm going to tie them into his universe. And he has... Well, I'll leave it at pig things. So You made, you made D&D Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. I did! I did make it! <laughs> That's oh my impressive. God. So, so <laughs> who goes barbecue sauce joint? It's <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Like I said, I love your stuff. Uh, it, it cracks me up every time. Uh, who is our winner today, Remily? Our winner is DJ underscore Flashpoint. Congratulations, DJ Flashpoint. If you didn't win, have no fear. Head on over to CritiAcademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win. It's as easy as that. I want to thank Remley personally for um, uh, raising up a opportunity to uh, give away uh, fat loots to all our uh, to some of our viewers. So uh, thank you very much for that. Um, before I close out, do you want to give yourself one last plug where they can find you and, uh, we'll close out here. Yeah. Again, just at a www.rimleyfar.com. That's where you find pretty much most of my stuff. I don't have a whole, really any social media accounts that I actively post anything to that is for the marketed side of things. So do it the old fashioned way. Bookmark the website like we did <laughs> back when I was a kid. <laughs> back when I was, back in my day we had web rings and <laughs> oh wonderful uh yes i cannot and i'm not just saying this because he's a guest on the show i've talked about remley and his work many times before um you do great work you check out his adventures if you didn't win his pd pork pie go check it out there's a link uh in the show notes at criticademy.com slash post slash episode 209 and mm-hmm. definitely check it out. It's an affiliate link, so if you do pick it up, it helps him. It helps us. It's gonna help you because it's gonna be you're gonna be laughing your ass off. So uh, <laughs> check it out. That'll do it for our show today. Please join us on our next episode. We'll be discussing gladiatorial arenas. <laughs> We're gonna teach Almost you like our character concept. The di- yeah, I, I got another one for next week too. So, uh, anyways, um, not only are we going to talk about gladiatory arenas, we're going to talk about the different varieties and how you can make them far more interesting than just the traditional battles. All right. Yeah. If you enjoy the show and you would like to support us, please consider visiting us at CritAcademy.com and follow us on social media. We got all kinds of fat loots there for you. If you don't know, we've recently just released three brand new products. Um, our Weir Cat is, I'm surprised, it is just blowing up. Uh, it's a fun, playable race. Pick that up. We have the Cleric Warmind Divine, Divine Domain, which is all about borrowed power and mental power combined. Because, okay, you know, if a cleric borrows power from a deity is one that borrows power from a deity and has their own powers better i don't know i think so and then of course we have the the fighter skybreaker who can alter gravity one touch on the enemy's shoulder and send them falling in the wrong direction also allows them to fly so if you're interested in that sort of stuff check that out um you can head over to critacademy.com and pick them up yay 
Yeah. That'll do it for our show today. I am your host, Justin. I'm your guest, Grimley. I'm your co-host, Austin. And Ian is missing. Cats. And that's our other co-host, Ian's cat. Yeah, there's two of them. Thanks for listening, and keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Heroes.